Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Your heart wants to speak the truth. Your heart wants to be known. Wants to be known by you. Let it all out. Go on, say too much. Let someone know you. Let it all out. Go and say too much. Let someone know. Go, go, go. Runs like rivers going to the sea. Buried in the ground, don't bury them in me. Just keep the river flowing. Get in and swim. Don't be standing back. Begin, begin, begin. That is an excerpt from a song called One Little River by Claire Bowditch, who just happens to be one of my heroes. And well, today I get to interview her. I'm Claire Twenty, and welcome to my podcast, Just Make the Thing, a podcast for people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. Claire Bowditch is a musician, a writer, a radio host, a motivational speaker, an entrepreneur, a mum, and so many more things. I'll let her tell her story today, but I can't wait to share this interview with you. I had a ball. I have to apologize. I sound a little bit fangirly through some of it, but I've admired her work for a really long time. Stick around to the end of the episode because she plays and sings one of my favorite songs. So here she is in all her glory, Claire Bowditch amazing nail polish on your toes mate why thank you it's just one of my secrets can't be bothered with lingerie but I like to do my toes you know are you recording (laughs) yes we can edit it all out but I probably won't just a secret. It's pretty fun. Look, I yes. do like the comfy undies here at work at the ABC. You'd imagine oh, that, though, oh, wouldn't you? Mate, I'm a mum and comfy undies are the absolute bomb. <gasps> They're the best. Else. Who have you got? Bonds. Great. Bonds. And I do classic black and I do a size up. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the things that we don't talk about enough in the world. Eh? <laughs> I used to work at Surf Diamond Ski uh, oh, when yes. I was 16. I was one of those kids who I, I, had, I loved working and I had lots of jobs and Surf Diamond Ski did work experience there and kept working there. And I remember summer was always really challenging because we'd get so many beautiful women sort of snaking back in with their boyfriends who'd bought them like a, a size 10 and yeah. said, no, nah, she'll be right. And then they were actually size 14 or so on. It's very hard for them, that experience, so I'm sympathetic. It's brutal. I have a trick, and I'll get onto the actual podcast in a minute, <laughs> but I have a trick. I always try on a size that I know will be too big for me first, so then I can go, oh, it's too big, and then I take put on a size less. I get it. I've tried so many times to sort of shuffle the psychology of, of clothes buying. So if you go into, for example, Leona Edmondson, who I adore, but she has numbers, you know, mm. one, two, three, four, five, and so on, instead of... 
10, 12, 14, 16, 18, um, my mind quickly converts to anything that I put on as being just, it's too big. You know, it's just, (laughs) it's too big a size. And I think I don't really know a way around it except maybe a bit more cognitive behavioural therapy to say. Yeah, I think we both need just therapy. I am enough. (laughs) Meditation. Spot on. (laughs) Exactly. Working in this field. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. I'm just being a woman in general and being neurotic, I think. And a human. And a human. And I don't think motherhood really sort of, you know, um, levels that down oh, in any way. No, it turns the dials so far up. Because now you're responsible for an actual life that's not yeah. your own, you know? Like another human person who has their own ideas and opinions mm. about everything. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. Oh, so no. <laughs> on that note of both being human, I might start, I show and I'll just say hello and welcome to Just Make the Thing, a podcast about how to start a thing and keep on making it. Today I am with the incredible Claire Bowditch. Oh, look, you've gone early there. Who yeah. knows? You know? <laughs> Actually, yeah, I've gone early. <laughs> There's been a few reports that she's pretty incredible. We'll see. I've, I've I've heard that you're a troubadour. I've heard that. I've heard that you're like a motivational speaker. Well, there you go. Yeah. That... I've never had that before. That's great. I do ah. like speaking. Oh, well, you can and do inspiring it. inspiring people, as do you. Yes. Well, that's my favourite thing. I used to be a teacher. So I love a good chat. Oh, God bless um, you. Yes, I know. But honestly, <laughs> honestly, I take my hat off to teachers. Oh, do you know, teachers are some of the most incredible people I know. I'm no longer one because I do a podcast thing now. But You're just in it for the cash. No, no, I'm joking. I am. I am. I'm all about the money. <laughs> yeah, because as if there's so much money in media, you know, like yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, throw, especially when you're DIYing it. I, I think the thing about teachers is, and, and I, I sense this about you, that's that deep sense of purpose that drives, mm, um, you know, drives what you're doing. You can't really... Um, finish that teaching degree and, and finish those placements without being driven by some higher purpose. Insanity. Yeah, bonkersness. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree that. I would say the same with you. And I guess one of the many, many reasons why I'm so grateful to have you on our show is that you have this incredible business called Big Hearted Business, mm. which is all about supporting creatives to with the money side and the tech side and all of that stuff as well as the heart stuff. So I wanted to ask you first, what do you believe about creativity? Big Heart of Business is my love project and it has been, it started in 2012. I had a back injury and I was incapacitated for about three months, sort of lying on my back. Um, I'd been touring way too much and working very, very hard, trying to sort of do it all, which I think is what a lot of creatives do Mm. Um, and for me you know by that stage in life I was in my mid-30s money side of things was 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 sorted in a way that it hadn't been you know we didn't really start making our living doing what we loved until many years in and when I say we I mean my husband Marty and I but we committed to this idea of living our life making a living doing things that we loved Um, and I kept getting asked to and and wanting to uh, mentor people around this idea of how do you make your living doing what you love in creativity Um, or it wasn't just creative people it was also my friends who were lawyers who were working in in areas of the media and so on who wanted to bring creativity back into their life you know so Mm. we would we decided Big Heart of Business would be just a little love project that was crowdfunded to teach creative people about business and business people about creativity in ways that made sense. So at that time, there were only there were a few people like Seth Godin and um, Stephen Pressfield with his Do the Work. There were a couple of people who I was responding to 
on the internet. Mm. Um, Brene Brown, I was enjoying the conversations. and But, yeah, so Big Hearted Business was an idea that just kind of took off and kept rolloping. Uh, rolloping isn't actually a word, but I think <laughs> I think it's now my as favorite a creative word. person, we can yeah. we can do that. Yeah. Um, your original, <laughs> you know, now it sort of exists mainly as a, a free resource, as a website, um, and as we we do run some events. But those early big hearted business conferences with people like Lucy Fegans and mm. um, you know Danielle Laporte, we flew over for her first ever trip to Australia. They were just really wonderful times. Um, what do I believe about creativity, though? That was that was your question. So that was a big one. So I guess I answer that by saying I've had the chance to observe a lot of the um, joys and struggles of creativity, and essentially for me, that idea of divergent thinking or different thinking—it's um, uh, just an essential tool for me personally to um, having survived in this thing that that we call life. I've needed. My creative tool, I've needed always to have um, the option of a new perspective and I think that's what creativity gives us. Mm. It gives us an ability to synthesise really difficult emotions, joyful emotions, and that's what songwriting has been for me. It's been about being a cartographer and trying to map the language of childhood, the language of the world, the language of motherhood, whilst trying to combine that with some humour, some playfulness, um, some sense of purpose. Yeah. Really long answer. I'm so sorry. No, it's so wonderful because <laughs> it's 100% what I believe as well. Um, and What do you find are the hardest bits about being a person who lives a creative life and commits to that? I'll just make it a small caveat. Of course we're all creative. You can't. Mm. You couldn't have taught yourself to talk, to walk, to think if you weren't creative. I don't mm. know that there's a special breed of people who are more creative than others, but there are those of us who, who needed it more than others. Mm. I've been one of uh, – yeah, I've definitely been one of those people who's needed it. Um, that also means sometimes I, I forget questions. What did you ask? <laughs> <laughs> I was asking, I guess, um, what's difficult uh, for you about living yeah. creatively because yeah. for me, I guess, one of the reasons I started this show was because – I have started a million projects and never finished anything. Yes. And the joy I found in teaching was helping kids to be creative and find what they love and adore. Mm. And that to me, and I'm I'm into music as well, so I did the school productions and watching kids just like burst their heart out on stage and realise they had, you know, talents they probably didn't realise or even their parents didn't know they had and – so that for me has been so wonderful and I've started to realise that in our business now we have 13 podcast shows and I support creatives to get paid. That's my job. Yeah. Um, but I realised I still wasn't actually committing to something of my own that was creative mm-hmm. because I find it so bloody hard yep. to keep doing it. So that was kind of my question. What is it that you find difficult mm. about it or do you find it difficult? There have been a number of different stages when it came to my relationship to my creativity. The first hurdle was um, just having the courage to to put my hand up and say I, I wanted to make music for my living. That was something I avoided through 18, 19, 20, 21, even though I was singing backups in bands. I had no concept that I could do that as a living. Wow. I had no concept that I had the right to do it anyway. I, I didn't see women like me making their living in music in Australia at the time. We hadn't had Annie DeFranco yet. We hadn't had the John Butler framework mm. for independent music making and reaching your audience first. So the gatekeepers are all people who I couldn't imagine 
Moon would have any interest in a girl like me. Um, I was chronically shy. Um, I had chronic anxiety. Um, So there were a whole lot of sort of um, internal barriers that I had to sharing true stories about my life. I just had a really strong and continue to have an extremely strong inner critic who I call Frank um, (laughs) and named back then in my 20s to help me be playful with it. Um, And, yeah, so a lot of my challenge has been about putting that voice to the back and realising that um, I've got a calling and I, I enjoy it and when I'm brave with my creativity, I pass that on to others around me. So that was one of the major hurdles. The next hurdle is you, you jump in, you decide. So I'm, I'm 26 years old. I'm about to become a mother. My partner, Marty, and I are making albums. We're getting grants. We've made that decision. Then you've got the financial struggle of how do I keep my integrity mm. um, and, and do what I love. So I remember at that stage being offered an enormous amount of money for a car ad, um, which for a song that was very dear to me that didn't belong with a car ad um, and saying no to things like that were really challenging when you're sort of living on $19,000 and, um, yeah. you know, to um, Nice New Enterprise Incentive Scheme, which was, <laughs> you know, the business course at the time through Centrelink. Um, so that was, you know, that frugal living, that making a living, that even asking for um, what you need. So there was a lot of touring um, and a lot of wondering how the hell does all of this work. So that was another stage with creativity. But by far probably the most cha- the biggest challenge, one of the biggest ongoing challenges is, as you mentioned, and I've heard Will Anderson mention on your podcast before mm. as well, the number of ideas that come up and this living with the feeling of always being a shark on the hunt, always being frustrated mm. and not being able to finish the projects that I start. So... Even though I've I've done seven albums and um, I've, I've I've you know done uh, major projects like Big Heart amazing <laughs> and just incredibly inspiring things. Well, look, it's never you know there's this tempting voice inside that says never enough, and and it's finding your balance with how much of that voice drives me, mm-hmm. and how much of that voice cripples me. So I've been working on album eight now since. 2014 I've got um, my beautiful record company Island Records and Mike there um, George Ash they've all been so patient Michael Gadinsky and you know (laughs) over at at where my um, licensing is over there at Mushroom again really patient because Mm. I love my work here at the ABC that's very inspiring as well yeah so that's part of the the balance how do you say yes to exciting projects mm. and not end up with um, with kids who don't see their parents, you know. So for us that's been the major priority. If it didn't work for the family, it didn't work for any of us and that's why we stopped touring four years ago. Wow. It's, motherhood really changes your whole perspective. Well, parenthood really changes your whole perspective and the way that you do everything, I think. And what what do you want your kids to know about you like if they were talking to someone about you (laughs) what would you want them to say (laughs) um I'd want them to tell the truth so I very much (laughs) want my children to have their own voice and opinion and and never feel like um they have to say the right thing or Mm. like my my kids are very very interesting um very loving independent People. Mm. I've got three children. I've got a, a daughter who's 14 and two sons uh, who are identical twins and they're 10. Um, but I guess 
what I wanted before I became a mother at the, the point of becoming pregnant at 26, um, what I wanted was to not get to the age I am now, my 40s. Early 40s, thanks. You don't um, look like you're in I know. The 40s. I mean, but, but I've said it now, and I'm very proud of being 40 and still, oh. you know, being in the, doing the. All the I'm feeling like yeah, I'm just feeling like I'm at the start, really. Which yeah, oh, bloody getting we'll old is awesome. <laughs> I reckon. But I remember yeah. reflecting forward and going, when I get to forty, I don't want to say that I didn't try. I don't want to say that I didn't give it a crack. Mm. Um, I don't want to have lived um, in the shadow of what I knew my heart desired, which was to try and make music that meant something to people and to mm. me. Um, so I think I, I I reckon they know that, and I think they know the the true cost of that, and I think they're okay with it. Yeah, I think you're teaching them incredible things by the sound of it. We'll see. I'll wait till they send the therapist bills. And they'll do, you know? <laughs> it's all an experiment, isn't it? Spot on. I think we have a two year old, and it's a daily experiment. I think. Um, Look, I don't know how 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 you've. Um, Lent on people around you, but I remember one of the most useful, very, very useful things when I was um, starting off mine and Marty's journey of mm. making our living together as this sort of creative family. And it was just mental. Everyone around us was was trying really hard not to look scared for us all the time because the chances <laughs> yeah. of success were so, so small. Um, but I remember leaning on my neighbour, Rachel Power, who was an author. She was writing a book called The Divided Heart, which became Creativity and Motherhood, and that's a great resource. And I remember the relief of finding places where I could be honest and not have to be super mum. Um, mm. So I don't know how much support you've got. or A lot. Yeah. A lot. We couldn't do it without. We've got incredible parents mm. and, and friends and family like I recently went over to speak at a conference in Copenhagen which I'd never done before wow I know it was was amazing thinking someone's gonna tap me on the shoulder and be like get out of here you know what you're doing (laughs) hey kid yeah exactly as if how cool yeah it was really cool just hanging in Copenhagen just hanging in Copenhagen talking podcasting um which was great but the only reason I could do that was because we had amazing family and friends who could look after Mm. a little guy while we were there so Hundred percent, I believe that it's the either the family or the friends that are family to you that mm. create that network that allow you. So you're not a single person in this creativity business at all, are you? Really? It's well, how intense is it? I'll thing. ask. I want to ask you, you because you have the same scenario as me, which is that you and your partner mm. um, not only have to sort of fall asleep next to each other each night and wake up next to each yeah. other each morning but you run your business together and yeah. you're creative together so how do you find that experience uh people thought we were bonkers because we were both teachers and so we thought we might kill each other james is actually sitting on the floor we're um, pretending to, you're not here james we're but you are. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll say you're here now okay. um, <laughs> yeah um, awkward. No. um so but it's actually been the most wonderful messy experience gone, like, yeah sex is a real issue now. Yeah. like it's just you know oh god yeah i mean yeah. we have to schedule it in once every four yeah. weeks because there's just no time yeah i check my schedule and diary yeah. he does his you know every Wednesday (laughs) once a month oh god um no it's just a constant um a constant sort of state of messiness but wonderfulness we've found that we work really well together 
which was a surprise, I think. But then we've done a lot of stuff together. We've taught in Indigenous schools up mm. north together, so we've lived quite remotely and Afri- done Africa, a school in Africa, and just weird, wonderful things. And we've already so, had a few heroes challenges to or heroes journeys to travel together. Yeah, we've already had all the fights <laughs> <You're> already. Right. <laughs> That's good. We've already worked out how each other work and the things that work. Um, and on that. For you, what are the non-negotiables for you around that working with Marty, your husband, and your life? Have you got non-negotiables that? Well, we've already sanity? mentioned Wednesdays, so yeah, it's no. like yeah, well, healthy we, sex life. What we do group. actually have um, sex or no sex, we need dates, you know. So mm. uh, we've got hashtag you know date night every Wednesday, and that's a discipline that I inherited from a, a friend of mine called Kemi Nekvapil. She's a sort of you know she's a totally empowering empowered author and speaker I just met her um she was teaching back in 2012 um a raw food cooking class and Mm. you know my in my quest at the time I was writing an album called the winter I chose happiness and I was Mm. doing anything that anyone had ever told me um cured them of anxiety and and brought you know (laughs) so I did this cooking class with her because someone said raw food is totally the next frontier, guys. There's a thing called a green smoothie and you're going to be drinking kale. And I'm like, no way. So I went and did that with Kemi. Kemi said to me the secret to her success was a date night with her husband. So we put that into play and, you know, there's some weeks where you can't – it's hard to justify the money. It's hard to ask your mum to mm. babysit or your neighbour or do the swap or whatever. Who cares? That was a non-negotiable. Mm. Um other non-negotiables for us, as I mentioned before, are we don't um, – our touring schedule changed when the kids started school. Mm. That was another decision that we made. Um, I have very limited time away from the family now. So I think the most I've ever been away for on tour was 10 days, but most usually we try and keep it to two days. So there are things like that where we just like to keep it in the routine. Mm. Um and there are a couple of other things that we sort of have, again, rhythms in our life that, that make sense. So things like Friday night dinners, you know, mm. um, keeping life sane and enjoyable and not just work-related because mm. my husband's not only my producer and my bandmate, he's also uh, my manager. Yeah. And, um, you know, for the last year and a half, I've we've been trying to finish this album, we've been and I've been writing a, a memoir and um, he's had to sort of really a- allow me lots of space to do that. And I, I, don't, I don't think all all partners find it that easy. Mm. So, you know, it's important again and non-negotiable is I have to just um, always be checking in with him. How are we going? Mm. And he checks in with me. How are we going? Yeah. He doesn't need much chit-chat. No. Uh, he just, you know, and and I do. So. Yes. <laughs> Sounds very familiar. I learnt that I need to let him go into his man space. Yeah. yeah, and not follow him in there. Yeah. And he'll come out when he's ready. Yeah. And then we'll chat. Yeah. It's tricky. I mean, you know, it's a, sort of that checking in thing. Mm. We The album that we're doing at the moment together is pretty much about the messy stuff of life. Mm. Um, one of the main ways that we make it work is we don't expect it not to be messy anymore. Mm. I think early in our relationship there was some idealised version of what it was to be living the life we were living and, you know, it's a much humbler version of things now. 
Yeah, I, I think that expectation that life, things will go wrong, not in like an anxiety-ridden, <laughs> yeah. life yeah. terrible way, but just in a ocean way, you know, yeah. like it'll go wrong, but it comes up again. And sometimes the amazing things come along with some of the hardest things, mm. you know, all intertwined. I've found that, particularly motherhood and the kids. There's like mm. the best things and the hardest things seem to happen quite close together. Mm. I wanted to ask you, because I've been a massive fan of your music for a really, really oh, long time. Oh, thank you. I didn't know yeah. that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, well, have been. Um, and so, <laughs> and I like the Winter I Chose Happiness for me is a really special album. But I, and I so love to hear on you and I'm really excited about that too. What for you... Um, inspires your music and I'm really curious about this is a long question (laughs) do you think that it's what you listen to and surrounds you and what you're living that these songs kind of come from internally within you or do you think sometimes they would be written otherwise by somebody else if Hmm. you didn't grab them do you know what I mean I do yeah interesting um when I was 24 years old um I went over to study at the University of British Columbia. Uh, I was lucky to have an exchange scholarship and I worked at the Museum of Anthropology there and I also studied ethnomusicology um, under a chap called Professor Tenza, who was great. And one of the ideas that I remember picking up there um, was was this traditional First Nations idea that songs, they live in places and, again, they, they come to us. It mm-hmm. goes back to... Uh, a concept Elizabeth Gilbert talked about in her TED talk about the genius, you know, and that mm. um, so that they come to us and it's up to us to say yes or no. Now, I think some of the songs that I've written um, have just come out like an itch. So something like um, You Make Me Happy just sort of appeared one day and there it was. Mm. There are other songs like Amazing Life that were written, I started them at the age of 18, 19, 20 and couldn't finish it till mid-30s, you know. So there mm. are other songs that that have stuck around and belonged to me. Um, but a lot of my songs are written as a way of processing and reflecting common experiences Mm. and others are written just as literally as lifelines as things that I needed to try to make sense of um I don't know where they're coming from and I don't analyze it too much because I've been fortunate that they do keep coming touch wood yeah (laughs) but what I what I don't deny is that um some ideas are just stronger than others it's like they come to you fully formed Mm. and I, I don't know how to explain that for every one song that you'll hear on an album, I'm the kind of person who's had 50 sketches that haven't worked, that were no good. Um, mm. And if there's one probably key to finishing the work, um, it has been this ability to quickly filter out and dismiss the ideas that aren't ready yet. Mm. Are you a perfectionist? Yes, I am. Um, really, which is is contradictory because I'm a sloppy perfectionist. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm not a perfectionist who colour codes her her dresses no. um, or socks <laughs> or so on, but I don't like I don't like ideas going through to the keeper that that aren't fully formed. And I think that for me, when it came to big harder business, was one of the really important um, uh, almost points of paralysis with an idea like that. 
I have such love for it, such a strong community um, built around it. They built themselves around it. Mm. It's not something that you could kind of just sell off and forget about, you know, when it comes to a strong idea like that. Mm. Um, it made more sense for me as a, as a perfectionist to allow it to remain uh, in a sort of a holding pattern, doing what it's done, um, then... Then them, just let it go. Yeah, then to be yeah watered down. It's so interesting to me, this whole idea of perfectionism, because it it's a driving force, but it can also be something that makes life more difficult for creatives. Would you agree with that? Yes, I, I think it's, again, it's back to that idea of Frank and the inner critic. I mean, it's so hard to know sometimes which parts are... Um, uh, which parts of my ambition are driven by this deep feeling that I will, I've will i not got it right yet, I'm not there yet, I haven't done my best work yet, I haven't even come close yet. You know, there's some sort of driving um, energy of that, but how how much time is wasted fighting that voice, you know? Mm. I'm, I, again, I go back to that Stephen Pressfield do the work theory, which is ignore it. It's the resistance. Get on with the show. Get on with the nuts and bolts. Make a list, you know, one by one, knock them off. Yeah, focus on the work. Yes, yeah. because um, I reckon that's one of the things that sort of makes me saddest when I look at some of the extraordinarily talented people that we have in this country Mm. Um, and you don't get to hear their work, you don't get to listen to their music or read their books or see their paintings because the perfectionism is so paralyzing they never finish anything i'm mm. like get it done move on to the next <laughs> <Yeah>. one <laughs> Liz gilbert says that a lot in her book right. big magic yeah i haven't read it yet um, oh. but i bet it's beautiful yeah it's great it's all about that it's just about sometimes it's better to just have something out there yeah. than nothing yeah and and that's actually really helped me um do this i think because often you get stuck in your head that it'll never be good enough or you'll never be good enough yeah but if you just kind of go well get something out something's better than nothing i think so. that's true and you have to start somewhere yeah just gotta start just anywhere yeah i remember that feeling as a as a teen maybe even later i didn't know whether i wanted to be a i didn't know what i wanted to be i knew what i wanted to be something and do something mm. um and just ended up falling into dodgy job after dodgy job because I couldn't put my hand up and put I didn't know how to claim what my calling was yeah and I I always like to inspire people to just give it a crack well on that note would you like to give your song Amazing Life a crack what a great idea actually it's probably a much cleverer way of explaining all of those concepts yeah to play the song definitely this song is a, a really important song for me to just to be selfish. This whole interview is about me. No. <laughs> you it's, are serving a greater good. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, thank I'm you. I'm not quite sure how to do this, but I'll give it a crack. Um, I think you'll be all right. Great. I think. There's my, I'm just moving Rearrange. myself You, you want to. Write a novel, make beautiful music 
Acting the cedar with inspiring humans learn the language, help people fit in, travel to every country, make a million dollars, smile when your children have babies, make the high your home, invite in a war you want an amazing life. You can't decide think you have to be fully formed already don't you you want an amazing life you can't decide you don't have to be just one thing but you have to start with something Maybe you'll be a little bit older by October You've reneged on your pre-birth promises and now you think this journey is over Let me encourage you to know you will feel it when it is over if it just feels like hell take it as a sign you need time to be still and listen for a while you want an amazing life you can't decide you think you have to be fully formed already don't you you want an amazing life you can't decide hmm to be just one thing but you have to start with something you don't have to be just one thing but you have to start something you do not have to be just one thing but you have to start with something, anything will do. Oh man, well that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I felt it. Yeah, that was absolutely beautiful. It's so beautiful to sing for you. Oh man, I'm gonna cry. It was just really, really wonderful. So I really um have gone all weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really we're in this really small room and yeah. I'm just like it's like I've just I mean, if we hadn't had such a good chat, that would have been really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> but it was actually pretty cool. Thank you. It was beautiful. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing that song with us. And just for being such a big-hearted, open person who Me encourages too. people to live their 
creative lives and if I could yeah. be like really fucking mysterious and yeah. really like <laughs> French and really like oh it is simple. but I I just I have no capacity <laughs> to hide anything so it's been a thank you for asking me I'm very honoured oh you are welcome I am a hundred percent the same as you clearly I got heart on sleeve so <laughs> I think that's a good way to be clever ditch so thank you very much where can we find you. Well, I've got a really shit website at the moment <laughs> that's in transition. Um, so if you want to find me, you can go to clairebodish.com. There's no I in Claire. Or you can just find me over at Instagram. I like telling stories over there. For Big Hearted Business stuff, it's just bigheartedbusiness.com and there's sort of a resource of um, dozens and dozens of conversations with with clever people who are making their living doing what they love and trying to save the world just a little bit. So mm. have fun over there. Yeah, inspiration bombs. They're beautiful to watch. Thank you. They're really clever. You can also just find me on the ABC, by the way, 1 till 3 p.m. Monday to Thursday. Yeah. This is my my um, my hangout. Yeah, it's a cool place. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. Thanks so much. Cheers. So there she is, the incredible Claire Bowditch. Uh, what a delight she was to interview. Um, I'm your host, Claire Tonti, and you've been listening to a podcast with Claire Bowditch called Just Make the Thing. Um, a little creature has just crawled into the podcast studio to say hello. So um, if you hear him in the background, that's my son. Thank you. Um, if you want to contact the show, you can email us at, at justmakethethingpod at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook at Just Make The Thing or on Twitter at Make The Thing or me at Mrs. Sunday Movies on Twitter. Uh, I just wanted to say as well on a personal note that this has been a really, really hard week for me and my family. But um, thank you so much for all your messages and emails uh, and outreach. It's just been really incredible. Uh, I wasn't sure I was going to release that episode. It was pretty raw. So I really appreciate um, the response from everybody. I hope you have a great week. I hope um, this episode has given you some inspiration and I would highly recommend going to visit bigheartedbusiness.com and listening to some of those incredible um, videos. You can see artists making something and listen to somebody else podcasting. So um, thanks, everybody. Bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.